0: Amen, amen. You can be seated. Welcome to North Village Church. My name is Michael. Great to see you here today. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're back in our devotional in our community group, so man, grab one of these devotionals if you don't have one yet and and get into God's Word word with us throughout the week. Uh, Excited to be with you today. Our teens are dismissed. Thankful for our teachers, pointing our teenagers to Jesus, and excited to be with our our men and women online and, and Facebook and YouTube and it's a little windy outside A little windy uh, but uh, hopefully you didn't get blown off course you made it here today I want to start off with a story in 1921 George Mallory was a part of an expedition team of nine people trying to scale Mount Everest All right? it's the first attempt Uh, Of of a group of people to do this, and and their first attempt ended in failure when high winds turned the team around. And then their second attempt in 1922, uh, which this time included the new innovation of oxygen air tanks, big deal, bottled air tanks, and allowed them to reach a height of 27,000 feet, which airplanes fly at feet. Thousand feet, so they're, they're way up there in elevation. But an avalanche killed uh, several uh, people, not pictured, not pictured. But uh, in 1924, despite high winds and deep snows, the team set out again to scale Mount Everest. And it's said that George Mallory was asked this question: Why, why do you keep trying? Why do you keep running up this mountain? Why are you doing this? And Mallory responded, because it's there. Because it's there. In a similar way this morning, we're going to see Paul's final words to the Thessalonians. And Paul is going to exhort them to respond kind of like the people pictured in this photograph, that they're headed toward a summit. The Thessalonians are are climbing a mountain. It's the day of Jesus' return. It's what we talked about last Sunday, the the Lord's day. But there's one significant difference between the Thessalonians and the people in this photograph. The people in this photograph are friends, and, and the Thessalonians are family in Christ. So we saw chapter 1, we saw the illustration of a mother. Chapter 2, we see the illustration of a father. And over and over throughout 1 Thessalonians, we see the address brothers and sisters. So used over 16 times. It's because in Christ, there's a family distinction. And this family distinction gives us a tethering that is unlike any other tethering that we could imagine. As we make this journey together. Did you know that we're on a journey we who are in Christ, we are on an expedition team that we are, we are heading toward the day that we will be face to face with Jesus. And I don't know what that day will look like. Maybe it'll look like Bilbo here cracking through the trees and the sun will crack and we'll just be overtaken by his glory. But as we make this journey together, we're not just friends. In Christ, we are family, linked together, tied together together. And in our passage today, we're going to see four key characteristics of what it means to be on this expedition together. Now, when you read the passage on your own, there's like 17 characteristics, but for the sake of time, we're just going to cover four. And the first one is pastoral authority, church community, personal growth, and then a final charge. So, let's talk about our first key here, pastoral authority. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 to 13. I'll read you, follow along. But we ask you, brothers and sisters, to recognize those who diligently labor among you and are in leadership over you in the Lord and give you instruction and that you regard them very highly in love because of their work. So, First one, pastoral authority. In every local church, in every church family, you want to see pastoral authority. But in our culture today, pastoral authority might be a little confusing. We're all coming from different spiritual backgrounds. It might mean something different. I I know there's some in our church family who have grown up in a a local church and, and you've had a positive experience with pastoral authority. You've been taught, you've experienced kind of an elevated Uh, respected view of pastoral authority. So when you look at verse 13, regard them very highly in love because of their work, it makes sense. You're like, no big deal. But there's also some in our church family who've grown up around pastoral authority, and you've seen some shady examples. Maybe some layers of sexual immorality, or uh, low character, or maybe Uh, heavy-handed in their spiritual leadership. So when you read verses 12 and 13, you start to twitch a little bit thinking about uh, pastoral authorities. There's a little bit of skepticism. And then there's some in our church family who didn't grow up in a local church context, and you're just generally confused about what it means to have pastoral authority. You're like, I didn't know there was such a thing. It's, it's not uncommon in our church family for me to, to be asked uh, the question of what do you do for a job? And I think, uh, oh, okay, uh, well, I, I get to actually, I get to work for our church as a pastor. I get to do this as my job. And then inevitably, the question was surprise of what do you do all week, right? Just what what possibly is there to do all week? And so first, let's just... Uh, that the, the title pastor really just means shepherd. Right? the same way a shepherd takes care of physical sheep. Uh, in Scripture, we see pastors are given the responsibility to, to take care of the, the sheep of the local church spiritually. Right, Their spiritual needs that that, that pastor uh, cares for. So let me give you three verses to write down in your notes. That pastoral authority it's, it's never out on their own, that really the, the, the pastor is just coming under the leadership of the ultimate pastor, which is Jesus. So the first verse you want to write down is John 10. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, that Jesus refers to himself as the ultimate shepherd, and every pastor is just functioning under his leadership. And then in 1 Timothy 3, we see characteristics of a Pastor, that you're not just kind of out on your own just calling yourself a pastor. There's qualifications that we see in scripture. And so, your third verse is Hebrews 13 that teaches that pastors will be held accountable by Jesus. So, that pastors are simply pointing themselves to Jesus and then the sheep to Jesus. And then, one day, because of Hebrews 13, we know that pastors are going to be held accountable one day pastors are going to stand before Jesus and he's going to ask pastors, what did you do? How did you care for my sheep? How did you steward that pastoral authority? You never want to be in a local church where Jesus isn't the ultimate shepherd. That the pastor isn't pointing himself and you to Jesus. None of us are here today to hear what pastors think about this or that, but a primary responsibility of pastoral authority is to wield it in such a way that he's pointing himself and the body of Christ to Jesus. Therefore, the apostle Paul writes, regard them highly in love, because the pastor is the one who's spiritually fighting for you. The pastor is the one who's praying for you. The pastor is the one who's challenging you and encouraging you and sometimes leaning in on you so that over time, the church family, this expedition team that we're in together with, is getting stronger and healthier as we make our journey. Personally, I can tell you, I think one of the greatest characteristics of our church family is a a great love for verse 13. There are many examples of men and women and children in our church family that are appreciating pastoral authority. You're inviting pastoral authority into your life. It would be easier for you to go to another church and be anonymous and kind of float in and float out, but constantly you, you, you grab me and you tell me, hey, hey I want pastoral authority in my life. I want to be challenged. I want to be sharpened. I want to be pressed in on. I want my life pointed toward the kingdom of God and left alone, I will drift. And so I want you pressing in on my life. Praise God. Praise God. That's a gift of his grace in our church family. Living out verse 13. So first, if we're going to scale this mountain to Jesus' return, if we're going to make this expedition together, we must have a high regard for pastoral authority. Let's look at our second subpoint, church community. Look at verses 13 to 15, "Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brothers and sisters, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek what is good for one another." and for all people. In verses 14 and 15, we see the importance of our relationships with one another. Right? The local church isn't just pastoral authority. Right? We don't want to be on this expedition, on this journey just with pastoral authority. We want to have healthy relationships with one another. That's why in verse 14, Paul writes, "We urge you, brothers and sisters, admonish The unruly that word unruly means insubordination that insubordination. It isn't just with pastoral authority, but we can be insubordinate with one another. And when we are, it'll break down the health of our team as we give ourselves over to gossip and slander and division. It's going to splinter us right as a team. We're not going to be able to press forward into that journey. This is why in our church family, we have this yearly focus. Every three years, we rotate through these areas. And you notice, one of the North Village Church, every three years, we spend 12 months just talking about having healthy relationships with one another. And then, if you come to our newcomer's lunch, we walk you through a packet that introduces Matthew 18 that acknowledges we're gonna have conflict with one another. And and we need to either extend forgiveness or we need to reconcile and be led to forgiveness so that we can have healthy relationships with one another. And then we cover it again, Matthew 18, in our partnership class because we want to have healthy relationships with one another. It would be weird for us to gather on Sunday with our hands lifted in worship in honor of God's glory and then hate the people on our left and right wouldn't it? That would be weird. So God's word charges us. Pursue healthy relationships with one another. You got to know after these last 12 months, you got to know that there's been strain on our relationships with one another. Opportunities for frustration and conflict and offense. I'm confident there's been posts on Facebook. In our isolation, and our separation, all we had was Facebook. Confident words were typed out that were hurtful to one another. I'm confident that I've said things on Sunday mornings that have been annoying. As we're isolated and separated, just who does this guy think he is, right? You know, it just comes across the wrong way. Then you throw in conversations around politics, race relations, a blizzard, a pandemic. Oh. <laughs> you know our relationships with one another have been strained. Cuz in those moments of isolation, in those moments of frustration, you know what we start to think? We start to think that I'm not sure if I like these people. I'm not sure that I'm I belong With these people how could they make what who are what am i right and it would be so easy to just splinter and so god's word is charging us urging us live in peace with one another encourage one another help the weak be patient With one another, be patient with one another, and seek what is good. Oh, our relationships with one another are so important. Right now we're in this journey together, this spiritual renewal, this rise up and renew. There's 38 adults. Isn't that great? 38 adults that are leaning in to the Lord over the next 77 days. I mean, one of the primary goals is that over these 77 days is that the Lord would reveal to us where our relationships with one another have become fractured, where there's been offense, where there's been hurt, that we wouldn't just stew in bitterness, that we wouldn't avoid one another, that we wouldn't harden our hearts toward one another. But we would do what Matthew 18 teaches us to either extend grace, forgive, or that we would move towards reconciliation so that we might have healthy relationships as we make this expedition together. Let's look at our third point personal growth. Verse 16 to 22 Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not utterly reject prophecies, but examine everything. Hold firmly to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Remember, remember our our goal is to be like these people. Look at these people. They're on a journey together, they're a scrappy looking group. You know they smell. You know they smell. Hair going everywhere. No telling when's the last time they took a shower. Hungry. Poor sleep. This is a rough and tumble crew. Man, in a similar way, that's also our church family. We're a scrappy group. We're a rough and tumble crew. I mean, you notice? Pandemic. Move to video worship. Not a problem. Did it. Move to 4 p.m. at another location. Okay. Done it. Race financial goals in a pandemic? Okay, gave sacrificially. Move to a building that's about to get condemned? Okay, whatever. You just show up. We're scrappy. I love it. I love it. It's awesome. We have people from different uh, political views and backgrounds, different educational backgrounds, different personalities. I mean, you got to know as we're making this journey together, it would be easy to blame the pastoral authority. I mean, the reason my marriage is struggling, the reason I'm frustrated, the reason the sin is in my life, the reason, uh, uh, it's that pastor. It'd be so easy to point the finger, right? Or to point the finger at each other. Well, if it wasn't for this person in my community group, if they would just wear a mask, or if they would just take off their mask, if they would stop watching Fox, if they would just stop, ah, uh, ah, uh, right? It's so easy But God's word teaches us, draw a circle around yourself before you start pointing the finger at everybody else. Circle around yourself and take responsibility for everybody in that circle of personal growth. In verses 16 to 22, there's a number of characteristics of what it means to personally grow, to take personal responsibility. But today, I'm going to give you 11 diagnostic Questions for your personal growth, for our personal growth. You might be thinking, that's a lot. It is. And so right now, I just want you to write them down. Put a reminder in your phone to go over these questions later. But just write them down, take a picture, find out a way to get these questions so that you can go over them later. Rise Up and Renewers, right? 77 days, we're doing three fast, three hours out on our own. This would be a great great time to go through these questions. So let's look at a couple of them. Number one, in what ways are you showing an increasing commitment to worshiping and glorifying God in your life? An increasing commitment, time in God's word, a love for others, an increasing commitment to prayer, an increasing commitment of peace and joy, in your life the easiest thing to do is to kind of look back and evaluate ourselves yesterday but really you want to look back over the last year over the last five years and when you look at your life do you see a trend upwards right there might be some hiccups and valleys along the way but do you see a trend upward there's an increasing commitment for worshiping and glorifying god Number two, how do you see your relationship and desire to be with God growing deeper? Do you see a, a longing to obey God's word? A desire? Is community groups, Sunday worship, devotional time, is it, is it drudgery? Is it obligation? Or is it delight? Is it life-giving? Are you seeing an increasing, deepening desire to be with God's people, to spend time in prayer? How are you learning more about who God is and what he commands? How are you becoming more familiar with Scripture? More familiar with his Attributes, God's attributes. Are you taking time to take in content? Right? The Holy Spirit is amazing, but it's not often that we grow through osmosis. You know, we can't stick the Bible under our pillow and then in the middle of the night it just soaks in. (laughs) We have to have time where we're taking in content, we're learning deeper things about God. Number four, in what ways are you recognizing and confessing sin in your life and repenting of it by the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you love repentance? It's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. That's why we rally around the gospel in community groups Sunday morning. It's the kindness of the Lord that shows us our sin. We don't have to hide from it. We don't have to run from it. We, we turn from it. We acknowledge it. We confess it in repentance. Number five, how are you growing in your dependence on and submission to the Holy Spirit? How are you learning to discern the Holy Spirit's leading in your life? Discerning between emotion and your personal wants compared to what the Holy Spirit wants? How are you learning? Are you learning? Are you growing and knowing how to discern the leading of the Holy Spirit? Number six, there's 11. How are you participating in God's plan for the church through community relationships? How are you participating in God's plan for the church? through community relationships? Do you know one another? A church our size, we should know each other's names. You might need to write some notes down after a Sunday, but we can learn each other's names. Are you growing? Listen, if you're, if you're pushing back on these questions, if you're like, hey, I'm not big on questions. I like to kind of just free will it through life. I just want to challenge you. Most things in life, they take a plan. Education, finances, career, relationships, they take a plan intentionality. If you're pushing back on these questions, personal growth for yourself. Look at number seven. How are you committed to loving the body of Christ through serving the local church? This is learning spiritual gifts. Learning our spiritual gifts. I was talking to my daughter on Friday about her spiritual gifts, and she says, Daddy, that sounds like a superpower. And I'm like, yeah, it is. It's like superpowers. Might we all be learning what our spiritual gifts are and then how to unleash them in a way that is edifying to the body of Christ? Number 8 How are you committed to loving your neighbors by attending to their spiritual and temporal needs? Learning their names. I mean I got a vision, I got a hope, a prayer that one day that there will be a follower of Christ on every block in 78757. Somebody who's taken ownership, really, in our whole city at large, but at least seven, eight, seven, five, seven. In our lifetime, on every block, there's a follower of Christ that says, "These people right here, I got them. I'm going to pray for them. They're going to hear the gospel from me." Wouldn't that be beautiful? That mean that's that's big. That's hard to even talk about right now for where we are as a church family. But you know where it begins is learning our neighbors' names. Man, are we learning our neighbors' names? Number nine. Where are you investing your treasures, eternal or temporal? We're just buying new stuff to have new stuff. Nothing wrong with new stuff, but that stuff's going to fade away. We want the bulk of our resources, our time, our talent, our treasures going to the eternal. Number 10, how do you see an increasing burden for the lost impacting your life do you know lost people do you want to know lost people are we making movement towards lost people i'll be honest with you these last couple of years i find myself getting annoyed with lost people i find my heart getting hardened towards our city and i ask the lord to soften my heart to give me compassion I want, I want to see my heart moving towards compassion towards the people in our city. Number 11, the last one, how is your prayer life? Is it growing more meaningful? Are you, are you writing down prayers? Are you keeping track of where the Lord answers those prayers? Are you praying for big things, for specific things? Is your prayer life, is there an upward trajectory? These are questions I ask myself. I really encourage you to set a reminder on your phone. It's going to take some effort, some intentionality, to sit down with the Lord and ask Him to teach you to where you can take personal responsibility. Draw that circle around yourself and take personal responsibility. Let's look at our last one. Number four, the final, final charge He is faithful. Verse 23, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss, and I put you under oath By the Lord, to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. As we look at pastoral authority, church community, personal growth, it would be easy to feel this weight. Maybe as we went through those 11 questions, you started to feel this weight. You know, like a backpack, we're going to climb this mountain, and you're like, whew, it's getting heavy. It can feel heavy, right? But look at verse 24. Faithful is he who calls you. Jesus is the one who's doing the work. Jesus is the one. The reality is there's going to be some pastoral authority in our life. They do an amazing job of pointing us to Jesus. And there's going to be some scrubs along the way also. And there's going to be some community church relationships that are going to be magical. And there's going to be some pain. And there's going to be times in our lives where our personal growth and responsibility is going to be so on point. We're going to struggle with arrogance. We're going to be like, I'm doing amazing, right? And there's going to be times where we wallow and we drift and we struggle. But the key that holds this expedition together is that God is always going to be faithful. Do you see that in verse 24? Faithful is he who calls you. And he will also do it. He's faithful. He's faithful to our church family. He's faithful in our marriages. He's faithful in our country. He's faithful to our world right now. He is working right now. In all this chaos around us, he is working. And he is going to be faithful to carry us to the end, and to usher us into his presence. He is faithful. It's not us, it's him. You know, there's a part of the story that I didn't tell you about regarding George Mallory and that expedition in 1924. George Mallory was a superb climber, and one morning he broke free from that group of nine, and he and another person, they set out Together to make the summit alone. And it's said that at base camp that the clouds parted and they spotted George Mallory and that other climber about 300 meters from summit. That's about three football fields. The only problem is George Mallory and that other climber, they never made it back to base camp. And they they died as they set out on their own. In nineteen ninety-nine, a journalist from North Face Clothing found Mallory's body, found his gear, found his notes, and the journalist wrote, Mallory's head was faced uphill. You can Google it, you can see the picture. And his hands were in this grasping type position probably trying to slow down his descent that was out of control then around his body was a snapped rope and a broken leg and he died struggling listen to me you gotta know this expedition that we're on it's hard Right? This journey we're taking together to 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 move towards this mountain of Jesus return where we're face to face with him, it's hard. I don't know what these televisionists on TV are talking about. Just every you know, smiles like it's it's hard, it's hard in my life. Like there's storms, there's challenges, there's there's good things, but it's it's hard and it's challenging. And you need to know that the God of Scripture never intended for us to make this journey alone. No matter how hard it might get, no matter how great those storms might get, he never intends for us to break off from the the team and to go out on our own. This is the gospel. The gospel reminds us of this truth over and over. First of all, we know he never intended that because the mountain is too high. Right, That we could never make that climb on our own, right? I mean, the, the summit the, is perfection. It's the holy of holies, the glory of God. I mean, we're never going to be able to make that climb on our own. The, the altitude is too, too great. Every human being has fallen short of the standard of perfection that he requires. So that's the first part. He never intends for us to make that journey. The second thing we need to remember in the gospel is that Jesus has already made the journey. Right, Jesus has already done the work. Jesus has already made it to the top. Right? that Jesus has already fulfilled every commandment of the law. They couldn't find anything wrong with him. To the point of death on a cross, he's been obedient. Therefore, our response this morning is not to white-knuckle it. It's not to try harder. It's not to try to make it happen as we go on this journey. Our response is to turn to Jesus. To turn to the one who is faithful. It's Jesus who gives us his righteousness. He gives us his righteousness by grace through faith. It's Jesus who carries us to the top of the mountain. Therefore, let us turn to Jesus Today, right now, if you're watching online, if you're here today, if you've never began a relationship with Jesus, you need to do that right now. He's already done the work, right? He's providing all the oxygen. He's the one who makes us brothers and sisters. He's the one who gives us his righteousness. He's the one who gives us his grace and his mercy, to persevere as we go through this expedition, as we make our way towards him. The hope of our day is Jesus. So the invitation is to turn to him. Won't you do that today? Will you close your eyes, you bow your head with me in prayer? Well, Father in heaven, I I thank you for this morning I thank you for the the men and women and children that you've gathered for this team as we make this journey. God, I, I, I confess, it's there's going to be moments where we get discouraged. There's going to be moments where we stumble. And maybe some of us are there right now. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would would help our hearts to see the hope that's in Jesus. Help us to see the faithfulness of Jesus. And that you would strengthen our church family, you would strengthen our team as we make this Expedition, that we would walk in boldness and courage and hope that is eternal. We trust you for it. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.